We're going to be in Genesis chapter 39. And after observing chapter 38, we observed chapter 38, who was regarding Judah, who was the older brother of Joseph, who we're going to be focusing on today. We're seeing that we saw the downfall of Judah in his life. And then we're going to be looking at now in chapter 39 what was happening with Joseph as he was now sold into slavery in Egypt. But God had a special plan for him. But after reading this, you're going to think to yourself, does God have a sense of humor? Does God have it out for him? What what exactly is it that's going to happen here? What is the meaning of this? Because these are some very harsh situations that we're looking into. But you see, the thing is, is that God has a purpose. And it's definitely sometimes something we don't understand, which is why we must rely on Him and why I think He allows us to go through these things. It's for simply relying on Him because nobody has an answer for such things. How is it that somebody who was righteous and how is it that somebody that has done good could go through such suffering? Well, again, God's purpose was involved. Nobody, nobody is free from the things of this world. See, Joseph unfortunately was hated by his brothers due to the fact of jealousy because God had a special plan for this, for this second youngest of the twelve. God had a plan to put him in a form of leadership within his family, but it was going to be more so than, than that. God's plan was a little bigger than that. But see, God exposed that plan to Joseph in a dream. And when Joseph had revealed that dream to his brothers and even his father, the the brothers became exceedingly jealous over such. Because after all, who wants to be under the youngest? When normally the leadership would go towards the oldest of the of the family, of the of the brothers, if you will. But Joseph was the second to the youngest, so he was going to be put in a form of leadership. So what we're going to be looking at today is a very common thing in life. Is, is this account happened thousands of years ago? These are things that we hear of quite often. Uh, stories of, of immorality and so on and so forth. And, and um, lies and deceit and whatever. People getting other people into trouble. From things that they did not do. You know, I, I think one of the hardest pills to swallow for people that have been imprisoned that were completely innocent of doing something but had to had to suffer the consequences can easily become angry at the world can easily become angry with god and most regular people would rightfully do so they'd be angry they'd be questioning what and why but you see joseph was uh, something different Joseph was extraordinary in, in many different ways. And I think most of all, his, his extraordinary faith was beyond that of most people I've ever known or read of even. In, in the form of mere men, of course. Because Joseph's situation here is he was sold into slavery and brought to Egypt. And his brothers had no idea... What had happened to him after they threw him in a pit and these Ishmaelites came and sold him. They don't know where he went. They don't know what happened to him. So they went ahead and lied to their father Jacob and they took his tunic and dipped it in the the blood of a goat that they killed and said that he was devoured by a wild animal. So now their their father who is unconsolable now thinks that his his second youngest son is dead. 
and they have no clue what had happened to their younger brother. And as what we're going to see today, we're, we're going to see the things that, as I mentioned before, that we see in, in very common in the forms of infidelity and so on and so forth. But there wasn't infidelity involved in Joseph's part. It was, it was going to be on another person's part, on her will, to perform infidelity. But this story, again, is a hard pill to swallow for some. Because, again, the Bible is a truthful book. The Bible was not based on fables or any of that sort. It was based on true fact, historical evidence. And what we're going to see here is just, again, blatant truth of what we see today in our day and age. In this case, this was some thousands of years ago, a few thousand years ago or better. So we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 39, and as we see this interesting story, I pray that again, that that God will lead you into a faith that we've never had before. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 39. We're going to be starting off in verses 1 through 3. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph, in his situation of being sold by his brothers to, um, to the Ishmaelites, was now sold to Potiphar, who was a, um, he was a guard captain to the Pharaoh. And most likely, he was also very wealthy himself. Uh, Potiphar would have been like a, a chief of police, kind of. A, a very trusted official. And what's interesting, that considering the circumstances that this official would purchase this young man, somewhere probably between the ages of 17, 18 years old, to be a right-hand man. And when we looked at a couple chapters back, Joseph told his brothers that he would be in the position of a ruler. Now, this was just a step to what was to come, but as for Joseph being prosperous, it doesn't say how. You know, as prosperity is defined in so many ways by different people. Was he wealthy? Was he living in a luxurious home? Uh, was he calling shots to others in the form of authority? You know, which is typically the outlook of a prosperity. But as he very well could have been all of those things, his prosperity was due to the fact that, that God had had his hand on him and that he was content. That right there was the major part of his prosperity. Although he was in this newfound position, he was still a slave. But being a slave to God is, is better than being a worldly ruler. You know, I have seen wealthy and well-to-do people lose their prosperity. And those who spoke down to those in more humble circumstances because they lived the way that they did and didn't meet other standards. Uh, the ones in the lesser circumstances, they didn't, they didn't lose anything. Well, who would be considered prosperous now when you look at that scenario? But now as we go on, we will see attributes in Joseph that was relevant to why God had his hand on him. You know, Joseph was the example of the well-known and used verse of Romans chapter 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to them who are called according to his purpose. But also, most of all, to those who love God. Which was the key here. 
you know, before this verse was given, it was proved in the life of Joseph and proved by the love and guiding hand of God who had a purpose for this. So let's go ahead and take a look at verses 4 to 6. So Joseph found favor in, the sight, in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house of, of the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and in appearance. Now what's interesting is we didn't know much about Joseph except that he was the second youngest of his brothers. Of his twelve brothers. Uh, but now it's said that he was actually physically attractive. And there's, as only a few men in the Bible were noted uh, about that, um, of their physical appearance. But we will see that uh, the difference of his outer beauty and his inner spiritual beauty is what we're going to see the difference of. You know, he was a rare case. Uh, as there was a few men in the Bible that the Bible did make known as physically attractive, such as King Saul, who was the first king of Israel. King Saul had flat out said that he was the best looking guy in all of Israel and that he was a head taller of any man in the, in the whole uh, region, which probably put him somewhere in the high, somewhere between the high six foot range to close to seven foot tall. And then we had Absalom, who was uh, King David's son, who was actually called perfect from head to toe. And, and, and so we have these two examples, and both of these fell to very bad uh, depths in life. But you see, Joseph was a blessed exception to the physical blessing, as we will see why. But most of all, God was with him in the darkest of times, you know. Yes, he was sold and then, and then brought into a form of slavery, but given a high position, and, and not even as an Egyptian citizen. And, and again, we have to look at these, his circumstances. You know, Egypt at this time was powerful. They had resources. They were highly educated and were one of the first nations that created like such uh, things such as makeup and cosmetics. So the, the ancient Egyptians, they looked down on other nations as they felt superior by their looks, their brains, their abilities in farming and, and their ancient civil engineering and so on and so forth. Joseph had to deal with language barriers and cultural differences. So for this young man to show up like this and to be blessed like this can only be the divine hand of God. In fact, just by his presence alone, his presence was a blessing in Potiphar's house. Now, the amazing thing was Joseph's attitude through all of this. There, there was no questioning of why God. You know, there was no murmuring or cursing of, of the brothers for his situation. It looks as if he jumped into his new situation wholehearted, actually. And, and this example is amazing, coming from one at such a young age. And of course, it can only come from a wholehearted relationship with God. If we could observe, you know, uh, a verse from James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, To draw near to God, and he will draw near to you, a personal favorite of mine. We see that he met Joseph right there, as he always drew near to God. And what an amazing lesson seen through this event, as Joseph was documented in such esteem. 
you know, may we at any age come to this maturity. And as we continue, we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 10. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. So again, we see the, the typical, what we would see on, on television shows nowadays. Joseph, again, was a good-looking young man. And, and, and that couldn't have been easy to deal with, especially in a culture where women didn't exactly follow morals, uh, married ones as well. We see why God had a choosing of Joseph, as others would have fallen right away at this request. And, and Joseph at his age, you know, biologically, his hormones were at its peak. But the amazing thing is, is yet he was able to withstand the temptation and to refuse the offer. He, he could have simply said that I don't think your husband would like that very much, though he did state that he was trusted by her husband, as everything was in his hand, but not her though. <laughs> uh, but the standard bearer that he was said that I could not do this to God. This was the standard bearer. Most importantly, yes, he was under Potiphar, but he was primarily a servant to God first, and, and he made that known to the wife. See, Joseph was around before the laws that were, uh, that were given to Moses. Uh, he, there was no New Testament with instructions regarding life lessons and consequences of our actions. The reason why we have doctrine was simply because of the fall of man from Adam and Eve, and all the things that came over the years. He had nothing from Scripture then like we do today. But yet, he withstood things that most who know Scripture fall from on a daily basis. You know, many people, they know the Bible, and they can quote verses in Scripture. But where Joseph was at, a, at spirituality um, was simply his connection with God, which again was the key. Everyone wants light in their house, but if you're not connected to the source that gives power to shed light, then you will live in darkness. You know, in the very depth of your heart that no one can see but God, and that is your main concern, is what is pleasing to Him, or what it should be your main concern, which no other person can see. Okay, by that, God will do amazing things. And when someone is more concerned about their character than their reputation, then, you know, God will handle the rest, as he will with Joseph. You know, he was, again, a rarity to have done uh, this and stated in, in one of the most polytheistic thousands of gods that they worshipped in, in this nation, uh, to with authority and confidence in speaking in concern of the one true God who made his presence known before, during the time of Abraham, God made his presence known during this time, when, when Abraham was around. 
there was a couple of situations where men of God have gone to Egypt. Okay, and I'm going to use Abraham as the example because Abraham went there many years ago. Because again, Egypt was flourishing. But Abraham told his wife Sarah at the time, he just he told them, he says, whatever you do, because you are a beautiful woman, whatever you do, do not tell them that you are my wife. Tell them that you're my sister, because what's going to happen is that they're going to kill me in order to take you. So what they did was is they ended up taking her and, and, and the Pharaoh at that time put her in the harem which was, which was where they kept numerous wives in the housing unit. But then see, God started to plague the land of Egypt. And then when Pharaoh got wind of everything that was going on, he came to Abraham and said, why did you lie to me? And Abraham basically came clean and said, well, this is why I lied to you because of what would happen to me. So, of course, the Pharaoh was upset by it and he kicked him out of the land. And, and so, they knew who God was. They, they had a personal experience. And then, unfortunately, if you know the Bible, they're going to have another experience. Another Pharaoh, during the time of Moses, will have a much more harsher experience of the power of God and who he is. But, you see, they've already known who God was. Through Abraham. And, and so, you would think that after experiencing the abilities of the one true God, and, and yet this nation would continue to do what they did. Uh, this nation would continue to worship numerous gods and so on and so forth. It, it's really why we see the fall of Egypt over the years. You know, it's to my understanding that the Egyptians worshipped somewhere around 2,000 different deities, if not more. And so, there we have the issues. When God is made known, and we blatantly ignore His presence, then nothing good could come from that. But you see, I liked what they said before, that, he, that even by Joseph's presence in Potiphar's house, God was blessing him. I remember in the book of Acts, when the apostles were blessed by the Holy Spirit, that, that even, even the, uh, the people around them would want to walk in their shadow because the, the Jews back in these days believed in, in such thing that by walking in somebody's shadow of such a blessing that they would receive the blessing. You've heard the term walking in somebody's shadow. And if, if you were not a good person, they would avoid your shadow. They didn't want to be overshadowed by the bad. They wanted to be shadowed by the good. And so there, that's what Joseph was in Potiphar's house. Joseph was such a, a blessed young man that even his presence brought blessings upon one who did not know or worship God. Not a bad place to be. So let's take a look at verses 11 through 23. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. 
He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice, and it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until the master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying that the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and she and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So the Lord was still with Joseph. Why? Because of his integrity. You know, people in the Bible, powerful people, wonderful, great men of God, women of God, you know, whatever the case may be, people have fallen to sexual sin. So Joseph did everything possible to avoid the situation. And for good reason. He refused to have this on his conscience. M- many have fallen and were, and were forgiven. But the consequences still come. But the emotional aspect is always another thing. You know, Joseph was able to sit in the prison with a clear conscience. And I've told my son and, and other young people that you may one day be accused of doing something that you didn't do. But as long as you were clear of it, and God knew it, then you will be in His good graces. And and that's really all that matters. Again, you know, character over reputation is more meaningful. Uh, Character is what's in our deepest heart and actions. Reputations can be uh, relative and even falsified from a both good and bad standpoint. But see, God reveals the truth one day. And that will be the case with Joseph. In this particular case, rape would have been a capital offense, and especially a slave would have been put to death. So this imprisonment was a blessing in a form of protection. But even more so of a blessing while Joseph is in prison, the prison keeper turns over the operation to Joseph. So to some, this can look like a strange turn of events. But the plans that were in Joseph's life were that of the great leadership that was given to him in his dreams. See, you know, he's getting he's getting political administration experience, and, and he has no idea what and why here. But what was inspiring was Joseph's faith and his demeanor toward all of this. You know, again, abandoned and sold by his brothers, falsely accused of a heinous act and imprisoned, and yet he was faithful. You know, everyone else turned their back on him, but the Lord was right next to him the whole time. See, life takes every individual on a different turn. And God uses circumstances and trials and blessings for reasons that only he can reveal. But as for what, I, as for what I'm called to do now is to make sure that the, that the road that you are on in life is that you end up on the straight road onto his path which leads you into his presence when your time is up. 
you know, it's important to remember that we don't know when that is. So it may be at any given moment or many years, but we don't want to miss the opportunity. We don't want to miss the opportunity of receiving the Lord because, you see, we don't know what life holds. See, if there's one thing every single person does have in common is that we're born and one day we're going to pass. But life takes us into different directions and different roads. God takes us into different directions and different roads. And, and the Bible says that He wants us to have abundant life here on earth as we will in heaven. And what that is is entirely up to Him. We don't want to be mistaken by the outlook of wealth. We don't want to be the, mistaken by the outlook of prosperity, as I mentioned before, when we look at the aspect of what God wants to give us. He might give you those things, but that is entirely up to His will because He knows your life and what you are able to withstand and withhold and what you're going to do with it. But the question is always, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with the time that He's given us? Because time is something we do not get back. I've said it before, money can be lost, but money can be made. But time is not something that we get back. So that is of something of major importance to us. And in Joseph's case, I hope that you will continue to follow this story, because this is a very fascinating story of how God used this man's life. And how he became such an important figure in, in a place that we, no one ever would have thought that, that a Hebrew man would have been used in such a form. But God has a plan and a purpose for every life. But again, the key is to make sure that every life ends up in an eternal existence with him. So I want to give the opportunity... In his word, which says that, that the only way to make it through heaven... Is through the faith that we give in, in, in Christ Jesus. And that is what he said. In order to be born again, you must, you must be born again through the Holy Spirit. And through the blood of Christ. And receiving him as Lord and Savior. And what's interesting is our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, had a very similar, very similar life here to what we're reading about in Joseph. So I hope that you can relate to an extent. But more so than anything, that we'll be able to relate to the Lord. And that we'll be able to, to be able to say that we know where we're going one day when our time is up. So if you feel led, I want you to say a prayer with me. And this is a prayer of receiving and repentance. In order to receive the Lord Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you, Lord, to cleanse me of my sins. And, Lord, I receive you into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. And, Lord, I want to thank you for having me. And, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would receive me, Father, Lord, as one of your own, Lord. And I pray, Lord... That when my time is up, Lord, that I will be with you in all, in all eternity. 
So, Father, Lord, I thank you and I praise you and I receive you now as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, it's always a pleasure, it's always an honor to be of service to the Lord and to anybody who's listening. So I pray that as life goes on for you, that you will seek Him in all things. And remember that He's always with us. So may you hold on to His hand tightly and walk with Him all of your days. May God bless and keep you.